listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning. Y'all are so quiet. Just I, I know it's first service, but I love that you're here. Give me a little bit of energy this morning. Good morning. Hey, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Joe Bethelacqua. I'm the lead pastor here at New Chapel. Hey, pull out your Bible, something to take notes with. Uh, I heard a story about a woman named Adelina Domenegas, and uh, she was up there in age, like the oldest in America. She was 114 years old, and uh, I make old jokes about my father-in-law all the time, but I mean, that's just ain't right, and, and so she was a... She was a lady that lived out on the west side of the country, and she passed away at 114 years old. Biggest deal was uh, America's um, uh, uh, stat right there, the Guinness Book of World Records, said that she was the oldest. And uh, the Associated Press went out there before she passed away to do an interview on her, and uh, she gave all the credit to God and his plan and purpose. And she was quoted as saying this, I knew God had a purpose for my life. Church, there's something about knowing that you're made for more. Amen, somebody? We've been in a spiritual growth campaign, a season, a series for the last several weeks talking about how the fact that you are made for more, that God does have an incredible purpose for your life. Last week, we opened up the first of the five purposes that God has for us. If you read all through scripture, there are five purposes that God has, not four, not three, not six. There's five Five is the number of grace in the Bible, and those are the five purposes. And last week, we talked about the first one, which was that you were planned for God's pleasure. You are here to be in relationship with God, to be in a real relationship with him, that we are called to relate to God in worship. Uh, I don't always hear back from you about my messages, but I heard back from several of you, and so did my wife, uh, some feedback about last week, about how it really helped some of you to understand what it looks like to worship and, and why they all lift in their hands, why they do and all that. If you have questions about that, go to newchapel.com slash watch and uh, trek with that message last week. Of course, all of our messages are on there. Today, we're going to be going into the second purpose that God has for all of our lives, and that is the fact that you are formed for God's family. Write this down. Your second purpose is to... Fellowship with God's family. You're formed. You're created. God formed, fostered, forged your life to be in relationship with other godly people. Can I hear an amen, church? That's God's purpose for you. The first one is to worship him, and the second one is to be in relationship with other believers. Let me show it to you out of the Bible. Acts 2.42, the Bible says this, that they continued steadily. They learned the teaching. Yeah, that's great. We're at church. But they also joined in the fellowship. It's awesome to sit in church. It's awesome to hear the message, but there's got to be more substance to just Sunday morning. It says this in 1 John 4, the person who loves God must also, in fact, if you have your Bible open to that, circle that, underline that, must also love other believers. So, so people are like, well, this is my personal relationship with God. It's just me, and I don't choose to worship that way, and I don't need to talk to anybody. And, and I get it. If you're new here, and you're slipping in on a Sunday, and you're slipping out because the jury's out about New Chapel, let me just tell you, I'm exactly like you. Like when I was finding a church back in the day, I'm just trying to make sure I didn't join a cult, trying to make sure that this is all normal, trying to make sure I'm not going to get abducted at the end of all this or, or get embarrassed in some crazy way. I got you. But at some point, in your Christian walk, you're going to have to take that step and trust that God has more relationally for you and for all of us. Why is this important? It is impossible to find, and I would even say it's impossible to follow God's purpose for your life by yourself. You have to have other people in your life. In fact, the call on your life, God's purpose for you, is so big, you can't do it alone. Like, it's so big, it's expansive. And, and the mission of God is centered all around people. He gathers people together, his followers, and he creates something called church. Now, uh, it is a very godly thing. It's in God's design, even in nature, to gather. Uh, a gathering of lions. What's it called? Help me out. It's called a pride, right? right, right. Uh, gathering of sheep. They're called a... F- oh, that was... That was <laughs> 
God bless you. It sounds like y'all sneeze. A, a gathering of sheep is called a flock. When owls gather together, it's called a parliament, if you didn't know that. Uh, when crows gather together, it's called a murder, which back in the 90s, y'all remember that movie with Denzel, Murder of Crows? Anyway, God bless you. Uh, when, when vultures come together, it's called a committee. That explains a lot of Lansing and Washington, D.C. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> when flamingos come together, it's called a flamboyant, and you could also call it Christian TV. Um, when, when humans come together, we have a lot of different names. We call it family. Uh, in different contexts, you'll call it community or call it a tribe. But when Christians come together, we call it church. I hear people every once in a while, and they say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. It's like a lion saying that I love being a lion, but I hate the pride. See, it's, it's, it's unique to its design. It's what it's meant to be a part of. And a church, I would even say the church, it, it happens when we come together, when we're in community. We express together our love for Jesus, and then we share out of this room our love for Jesus with the world. Can I hear an amen? Now, in culture, this isn't just with church. It's in, it's in any real organization. There's an inherent distrust now for institutions and for organizations. And I'll hear people who are in the church world, so to speak, they're, they're independent, free agent Christians, and they'll say, well, I just don't like organized religion. And, and, and so they have this distrust. They think that uh, businesses and churches, they're only out to build their own kingdom. They're only out to build their own thing and gather people together for what they're trying to do. And, and that, that's how many people feel. And if they come to church, it's really all about what that church can do for them. Do they like it? Do their kids like it? What does it offer for them? They want to be a spectator. They do just, just, like the whole vision is just, I want to slip in, slip out. Don't anybody need to talk at me? I'll wave at you if I need anything. Like just, and a lot of people have that consumer mentality. But God calls us toward other people, other Christians, locally. Locally. It's very purposeful. We are called to be known for our strengths, for our weaknesses, to be known by other people. We are called to belong. See, this, this independent Christian idea, it is in total contrast to the Bible. The Bible uh, shows us, in, in fact, in detail, that, that we have this call on our life to be sanctified, right? What does that mean? Church word. It means to become more like Jesus, and it's to be played out in the church. And so if the lions are designed for the pride, gather together and reclaim their humanity. It's what we're called to be as Christians together in Christian community. Real fellowship, listen to me now, real fellowship is found in God's family. That's what the Bible says. Let me show it to you out of 1 Timothy. Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy. This is what he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He says, I'm writing so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. Well, what is it, Paul? He's going to answer it. It's the church. Jesus died to build something, and it is his church, not just the church universal, those people who have accepted Jesus out there in the wild. He died to build a local church, and it means the world to him. A lot of people in western Michigan, they have a God. A lot of people in western Michigan, they have a church, whether they even attended or not. I want to help you to marry those things today. So I'm going to give you four big thoughts about relationship, Christian relationship. And then I'm going to give you four things that I think are going to be big motivators for you to be uh, part of this because it is your purpose. And so these levels of relationship, they actually build on each other. If you're taking notes, write down the first one. Level one in relationship is having a relationship with God through Jesus. Not a relationship with God through any other means. It's relationship through Jesus. God expresses himself through his only son, his name's Jesus, everybody. I think y'all give me a little amen on that. That's true, right? That's your first level of Christian relationship, and you need it. So again, some people have church. Some people have a God. You need both. And you don't just need to have a relationship with a God and just pick one out of a stack. You need a relationship with the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God that sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. You need a relationship, not your religion. You need a relationship, not just your church. I've met people before, and uh, they say, well, Pastor Joe, thank you for the invitation you know, to your church. Sounds wonderful, but I already have a church. I said, oh, man, are you plugged in there? Well, I, I haven't been there in months. In fact, if you dig deeper, years. But it's their church, and they're on the membership rolls. 
Man, I tell you what, if you go to Rusty Nail Community Church out in the middle of Timbuk 3, which is just past Timbuk 2, you will find my home church. And I'm probably still on the membership rolls there because they don't have the heart to take me off, everybody. But you don't just need your church where you're a member, that you need a church where you belong. But more than that, you need your God. You need a relationship with God. At New Chapel, we've made it our aim to abandon religion in lieu of a great relationship with God. Amen, somebody? Like we want to be in relationship with him. It affects our Monday just like it affects our Sunday. Something we want to do, not something we have to do. Maybe that's the biggest difference in between the religion maybe some of you came from, the relationship that God's calling you into today. Let me show it to you out of the book of Acts 10. I shared this on social media this morning. It says, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, doors open, everybody. It says this in Ephesians 2. The Bible says this. It says, uh, you are members of God's very own family. So this is very interesting. You're going to read in, in the scriptures that membership has everything to do with you being born again. Membership has everything to do with you being saved, to be in the family of God. Those are all those Christians around the world, the capital T, capital C, church. That's where your membership is. And that's important to remember because at New Chapel, we don't offer church membership. We don't even, it's, not, it's not in our vernacular. We're going to offer partnership, and we'll talk about that in a second. Write this down. Here's the big idea. You need God, not your religion. That's what you need. You need a real relationship with him, not right, ritual, stand-up, sit-down, holy aerobics. You need a relationship with God. Amen, somebody? Now, these levels build on each other, and the second level is this. Write it down. You need a relationship with, write it down, your local church. You need a home. You need a place where you can be and belong all through the Bible. It conveys the importance of you being a part of a local church. Just like you can't go and play ball, uh, whether it's basketball or football or whatever, you can't play some of these games by yourself. In the same way, in the New Testament alone, there are over 30 scriptures that you cannot do unless you're plugged in to a local church. The Bible, when it's writing these books, it's writing to the Ephesian church, to the pastors that are there, like God is speaking through elders in the local church. The Bible makes the assumption in the New Testament, that you are part of a local church. If you are a Christian and you're not part of a local church, you're an orphan. Like you go into heaven, I, I will concede. I will see you there. You just won't live any heaven on earth like you could. So we need to know this, that God wants us to belong. We read the first part of the scripture. Let me read part two. We read Ephesians 2.19. It says that you are members of God's very own family, okay? But then it says, and, everybody say, and. Yeah. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. So you're a member in this great family called Christianity if you accepted Jesus, but then you belong in the house. You belong somewhere. It's where you're meant to be. You're not called to be an orphan. What does it say in Romans 12? The Bible says, in Christ, we who are many, what do we do? We form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We're talking about the local church. I want you to come in here and know people. I don't want you just to slip in, slip out. In fact, if that's what you do, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. I just don't want you to stay that way. I want you to meet somebody and be able to relate. Be like, hey, good to see you. And at first, I have to do it too. You got to fake like you actually remember their name. Like, hey, you, you know. And I get it. I'm down with that. You know, if you see me struggling like that, throw me a bone, everybody. But like, you need to know somebody. Like, I don't know if this domain name is purchased, but can we check out if, like, cheerschurch.com is out there? Like, you need to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> you need to walk in. At least somebody knows your name when you come in. I'd be kind of weird if everybody knew your name. But, like, you need to come into this place and have real community. Now, uh, in the past several weeks, I've talked to people, and they've said, well, Pastor Joe, I'm interested in joining the church, and uh, do I have to get rebaptized?" baptized And, and I want to make this very clear. When you get baptized, that's not the thing that makes you right with God. That's not the thing that makes you saved. In fact, we say it this way. We say it's an outward sign. It shows everybody else what happened on the inside. It's an outward sign of an inward work, like you, you were buried and raised to new life in Christ. 
And so it's not the thing that saves you. If you're not saved before you get baptized, you're just going to be wet after you, after you. And, and so, and then also like, it's not the way that you, you join the church. Back at my home church when I was a kid, they would vote on you if you were going to be a member. Like everybody would vote. Aren't you so glad at New Chapel we ain't voting on you? Some of you know how you used to be before Jesus. You don't want us to vote on you. Somebody bring evidence or something. I don't know, but you know, it has nothing to do with whether you can belong in a church, and it has nothing to do with your salvation. It's showing everybody that you are buried with Christ, raised to new life, and, and you were raised into this new family for sure. And so I would encourage you, if you do want to get water baptized, then make the decision. And we're offering that, by the way, every single week now at New Chapel. You can do, yeah, why not? Let's give God praise for that. You can do it today. So if you've never been water baptized, you can do it today. You can also go to guest services, and you can plan a time, like a future date. Maybe you want family here, whatever. However you want to do it, we're offering water baptism, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Say amen, somebody. So we're talking about church, this local church thing. I want to give you a definition. Because when I say the word church, some of us come from a a Protestant background. I'm not Protestant, by the way, because I'm not protesting anybody. Uh, I'd say I'm evangelical, uh, so maybe you come from that background. Uh, maybe you uh, come from an orthodox background, some of the orthodox uh, uh, religions, whatever that looks like. So when I say church, you might have a different perspective. Here's what I mean. Here's what I believe the Bible would convey. It would convey this, that the church is the locally gathering. Maybe take a little screenshot with your phone. Many members, people of God, under God-ordained authority, where the gospel is rightly preached, And the ordinances, baptism, communion, marriage, are rightly administered. That's what the church is. It's a local gathering. So when they tried to shut us down a couple years ago, I was like two weeks to flatten the whatever. We were down two weeks exactly, and we opened back up because I don't have the authority to disobey what Hebrews says and give up the assembling of ourselves together. It's a gathering. There's something about the gathering of the saints that there's an atmosphere of faith and expectancy, the move of the Holy Spirit in the room that doesn't happen in your private devotion life the same way. It needs to be when the church gathers. And so so here's what I would say. If you're like just trying out New Chapel, I'm going to give you kind of a big standard. Give us a year. I don't think you really can know any relationship in your life until you've been with somebody for a year. It's kind of like when, when young people get together for that first little bit and nothing's wrong. They're perfect. They're per- and we don't even argue. We never argue. When people come in for marriage counseling and say, we don't even argue, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to put you through our marriage course that we have because you need to have a good old stinker every once in a while. Get air it out. Get rid of the bad blood. Let's deal with it, right? And, and so you need a year to see their warts. You need a year to see what's good, bad, and ugly. And, and trust me, the honeymoon going to be over, everybody, at some point, and you got to have some devotion to take over. Well, in the same way, I'm asking for a year. If you don't have another place where God is calling you to, you might just well do it here and go through the process with us. And here's what you have to do. Don't just flippantly come. Plug in. Go to New Chapel Connect and, and, and plug into serving and, and give. I, I'm saying do all of it. Be in a group. And if you don't feel like you're closer to God, if you don't feel like you belong after a year, I will go with you to another church, see if it's not our place. Like, we'll, we'll go find it together, everybody. But you've got to give it that, that peace. And if you don't give it, my dad would call it, if you don't give it your didgeridoo, it ain't going to work. You have to be committed, and that's when you get the benefits of commitment out of all of it. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Well, our first step into all of that, it's called New Chapel Connect. Now, New Chapel Connect, what is it? It is your opportunity to learn a little bit more about New Chapel, our vision, uh, a little bit about where we've been and where we're going. Uh, That is the first and the third week of every single month, and it's held in the grow room. We changed our system uh, this past spring, so it's happening right now. It's happening right now. So that way, you could come to church like at 9 o'clock, and you could go to New Chapel Connect at 11 or vice versa. You could go to New Chapel Connect at 9 o'clock and then attend church at 11, however that works. But the idea being we've got child care still back there for your kids. You can come, have a little bit of breakfast, and hear about the vision. So partnership one is the first part of New Chapel Connect where you learn what it means to be a partner. We give you the opportunity to become a partner, to join up with everything God is doing. And then number two, it's called engagement two, which is basically like first week we give you the vision. Second week, we tell you how to run with the vision. Now, Pastor, why is, that, why is that so important? There's something about your Christianity you're just not going to get doing alone. 
You need to do it with other people. And so you need to partner with the local body, and, and that's our system for you becoming a part out of everything we do. I invite you to do it today. I invite you to stay over during the 11 o'clock. Some of you, I'm sure, will. And if you don't do it today, make plans to do it. It's offered every single week that we're here. It's called New Chapel Connect. We want to connect with you. Say amen somebody. It's going to have to be a choice. You have to choose to belong. This isn't something that just happens. It's not something that happens in any other relationship in your life either. you got to take a step while we take a step. Just like if you're dating somebody, just like if you're starting out a new job, you're going to have to choose. And you have to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into this thing. And that's when the feels of belonging are going to follow. So you need God, not your religion. You need to choose to belong, right? The level three in relationship, and all these, again, they build, is that you need relationship, write it down, with godly friends, godly relationships in your life. You need it. So you have relationships, they're not all godly. <laughs> in fact, some of you were with your ungodly relationships last night. And, uh, and, and so you know what it is. It pulls you down a little bit, doesn't it? And, and, and let me just say, your relationships are not benign, meaning they're either going to pull you closer to God or further away from God. Your relationships are not just a neutral thing. It's something that matters in your life, and you need godly relationships. It's going to pull you closer to him. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. Scripture says that all the believers met together constantly, and they shared everything with each other. Pastor Joe, I want us to be like the early church. Buddy, you're describing a close-knit relationship. I don't know about you, but like I like my space like everybody else. I don't, I don't want people like coming into my little world all the time, but, but I got to tell you, if you want to do Christianity the New Testament way, you've got to let people in. You got to give people access to the table. You got to learn somebody else's name. And, and I think in Western Michigan, I had a buddy come over from California. He said, it's so hard to break in because uh, in other parts of the country, people have friends but in Western Michigan, a lot of it is like their friends are their parents and their siblings and their cousins. And it's like, it's our people. And it's because a lot of you are Hollanders and Polacks in Jesus' name. And, and so like you have your people and that's good enough, you know. But, but here's what you got to do. You got to let other people be at the table. You got to learn somebody else's name who's not, last name doesn't start with Van. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, like you got you to love somebody not like yourself. Say amen, somebody. And, and if I were to preach this, in, in proportion to how the New Testament conveys it literally, it would be one out of every five messages that I brought to you. It is nonstop in the scriptures about church and relationships, nonstop talking about how you are called by God to be plugged in. Acts 20, in verse 20, scripture says this, Paul said, I have not hesitated to preach. So he's, he's preaching, like I'm preaching right now, right? I haven't hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful, but I taught you two different ways publicly. He's talking about church. And then he says this, and. Everybody say the word and. And from house to house. So what does church look like, Pastor Joe? New Testament church is both church gatherings, the Sunday celebrations, weekend celebrations, but it is also house to house, smaller groups of people coming together. And you say, well, Pastor Joe, like small groups, that whole concept, that's kind of a new thing. That wasn't talked about when I was younger. Oh, yes, it was. Your parents and your grandparents, they just called it Sunday school. I'm telling you, church has always been larger gatherings and celebrating Jesus and smaller gatherings where we come together and you can ask questions and get your questions answered. You can be vulnerable and you can meet other people who can help you in your life. Why does God say that? It's both it's both publicly and house house. Why does he say that? Because you need to realize you cannot have real fellowship in a crowd. If fellowship to you is when uh, our worship leader David says, hey, pound it with three people in the middle of the second and third song, friend, you don't know anybody. <laughs> hey, good to see you. What up? You know, like that's as much relationship as you have in your life. Somebody needs to hug you immediately, if not sooner. But like you, you need it. And, and so today, what do we have? We have culture at large, not just in Western Michigan, but all over. We hit our little garage door button. We go into our little garage, close the door behind us. When you're in line at Meyer and somebody pulls behind you, you're like, oh, Lord. And you take out your phone. You're like, 
busy. That's what you're sending off the signal. Am I right? And here's, what it, here's the idea. I don't want to talk to you. I got my own problems. I got my own life. I got to get this done. And, 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 and we are turning off the world around us. It wasn't always this way. In fact, for you young people, before 2007, we used to have to like write people letters and notes and talk to people or call them on the telephone. I mean, it was just, it was a whole thing. I don't ever answer my phone. Like just, anyway, okay, praise God. <clears throat> Church has to be big. So if you're here and you're like, well, I kind of like New Chapel because it's a growing church that's not too big right now. Well, buckle up, buttercup, because it ain't going to get smaller. It needs to get bigger because heaven and hell are realities. And who am I to say, hey, time out, us four no more. I like these people. Y'all go find another one. I can't do it. I don't have the heart to do it. But New Chapel, we don't have to make the discernment. We can grow big and small at the same time. We don't have to make the discernment. You say, well, well big church, I, I, I'm going to that big church. I'm going to go to New Chapel so I can meet people. It isn't big church that, that makes it hard to meet other people. What is our church? 280, 300? Uh, okay. You don't know everybody here. I don't know everybody here. You don't need big, like small church is hard to know everybody. You need relationships. And so there's a system we have at New Chapel, and it's called small groups. Now, this is the time during most messages when I talk about small groups and y'all go, okay, I'm going to check out for a little second. Go, go do my own thing. When's he going to start talking about something else? Why is he talking about small groups every single week? Because you're not in a small group yet. <laughs> and it's such a big deal. You need these groups and you need relationship. And so if you haven't heard it before, I'm going to say it again. You need to be in a small group. Go to newchapel.com slash groups. Yeah, that's the website. Go find one in your area, in your neighborhood, a time of the week that works for you. And I don't care that you're, you're, you're plowing in halfway through a curriculum. Uh, let me just tell you, some of our curriculum groups, they're going over really cool topics. Look at me. Don't tell them. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Do you know what's more important to me than the curriculum? And it's gold. It's gold records, okay? What's more important to me is that they are building relationship at church. That's what's more important to me. Now, again, you don't have to make the discernment between that. Again, good curriculum and relationships. But you can plow in halfway through, not even know what happened, pick up right in the middle, be like, whatever, give me the book, and start reading in the middle and never even start it. <laughs> Finish it and never start it. You can do that. I give you permission. You have absolution, my son. But you need to do it. You need relationship. You need to find some group that's around you. And look, if it's weird or the bunch of weirdos that are there, plug out of it. I don't know that I would attend every small group at New Chapel myself, but, but amen. But you need a small group. <laughs> it's okay to laugh at that because that was kind of funny. I, I, this is not my notes, but <clears throat> I want to know everybody, really. I want to know everybody. But it's not so important that you know me. It's important that you know somebody here. That somebody knows you. And that we grow bigger and smaller at the same time. What are you saying? Write it down. Church is both in rows. That's church Sunday morning, right? And in circles, small groups. Write it down. Both. It's both. It's both community levels. It's this celebration. You need it. And you need a small group. I better move on because y'all looking at me like I ain't going to the website. Okay. Number four. The fourth level of relationship, of fellowship is this. Write it down, relationship with a team. And not just any team. You need a team in the church that's making a difference, that's doing something, that's taking some ground. Y'all listen to me. There's nothing like being on a winning team. You say, Pastor Joe, you're not a sports guy. What in the world would you know about it? I was in marching band. I'll have you know. For two years in a row, I won best drum major in the state of Michigan. This body used to be able to strut, and I'm going to model what that even looks like. But I used to be able to do a back bend with my Shaco hat, without my Shaco hat, and go back and touch my head to the 50-yard line. I used to be able to do it. I was on a winning team. In fact, if you were in band, halftime is game time. I'm just trying to help everybody. But <laughs> Jesus. There's nothing like being part of a team. If you've ever been part of volleyball or football or basketball or, or, or a golf quartet, I mean, whatever it looks like, there's nothing like being on a team where you're kicking butt and taking names. Now, that's a little bit North Country talk, but like, there's nothing like being on a team. 
Nothing like it in the world. And so when we join the church, that's why we call it partnership. You're already a member. I, in fact, I don't even have the authority to give you membership. That's only God. But God has called you to belong and to partner with a local gathering of people. And that partnership is you partnering indeed, like partnering your finances and partnering your gifts and talents in serving and being a person who, if you're here and you're just consuming, maybe you went through something. Maybe you're on damage control in life and you're in here and you just need to sit. You have my permission. Please do. Be a consumer. I'm not, even, I'm, I'm not being facetious. Do it. Because if you consume here, God's going to lift you up and you'll be at a spot, again, we know, where you'll be able to be a contributor. We'll wait on you and we'll love on you in the meantime. We'll serve you. You don't have to do anything. But let me just tell you, God's best for your life. In fact, maybe a little bit of the key for you overcoming some of that past hurt is serving other people who can't pay you back. You go back and you serve kids back there and give them a little cup of water in Jesus' name. A, God Almighty sees it, but then number two, there's something about that. It's something in your Christianity. It does something in your soul that, that, that other things can't do. There's something about your walk with Jesus. You're not even going to get it until you're serving other people that can't pay you back. And so we need to realize what that looks like. And we need you. We're getting by okay without you, but we need you. I heard a preacher say it before, and he said, well, put your finger into a glass of water and pull it out. Somebody leaves the church, that's the impact they make. Look at me. That's wrong. You, if you've never been told, let me tell you, we need you. We need you so badly. We get by all right without you, but if we had you with us, we'd be so much better off. Let me show it to you out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are partners. We are partners. Say it with me. We are partners. We're working together for God. It says it this way in Ephesians 4.16, that the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And, and, and so listen, we will be so much better off with you but here's, here's kind of the spin on all of it. You will be so much better off with us. In fact, part of you growing, part of your health in your Christian life and emotional health, part of you walking out this love walk that we are all called to, it's, it's somebody else's gift that has to like influence you that will unlock it. You can't unlock all of this stuff on your own. Together we can do what none of us can do on our own. And so we are taking ground as a church. And maybe you're not on the team. Let me tell you, we're going to take more ground and we can do it together because you are there. And I'm not just trying to get something out of you. I'm telling you, it's for you. It will change your life. Amen, somebody? I think about the people who are serving back at New Kids right now, back in nursery. My wife's serving in nursery right now. And, and we have teachers in preschool and teachers in elementary. These are the first preachers of the gospel in our, our next generation's life. And we don't look over those people. What about the people that are handing you out your weeklies as you come in or, or, or getting your coffee ready? I mean, Lord Almighty, where would we be? <laughs> where, where would the church be? <laughs> look what God do. And we need that coffee, everybody. It's our lifeline. And so you get that coffee so you, like, you know what to do during the first song. And, 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 and then there's people that are out there on that, that go team tram. By the by, some of y'all are like, oh, I, I don't need you to pick me up jump in the tram and take the ride. I bought that thing and it looks cool. You ought to get in it. Amen, somebody? Help a brother out. Meet somebody. <laughs> All right. Experiencing these four levels of relationship is the ultimate way to live. And so here's my challenge. I challenge you to really get close to God. I challenge you to find your church. I, I challenge you to find your group. I challenge you to find a winning team and plug into it because you were made for more. And your second purpose, the second reason why God made you to be here on earth is to be in Christian community. Yeah. Colossians 2, the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. That's kind of a strange scripture. Uh, let me start with this. When we say that it is, uh, it's supported and it's held together, some of you guys don't feel supported and you feel like life is falling apart. And what, what the Bible is doing here 
is it's trying to show you a natural example and give you kind of a spiritual correlation. So my body, this mass of muscles and might, is held together by the joints, the tissues, the sinews, ligaments and sinews, it says here. And, and my body, your body, it's held together, can I put it this way, by connection points. Connection points, like little knuckles, little joints, like these little connection points. That's how the body is held together. And, and so in the same way, the Bible's trying to say the spiritual body, and indeed your walk with God, it's held together through what? Connectivity. There's these connection points that has to be there. God is using physical bodies to give you something spiritual. And that is to say, we're both physically and as a church held together by a system of connectivity. You need these connections. And what are they? The four levels of relationship. That's how you're going to hold it together in life. That's how you're going to be able to hold it together as a church body. When your life is only supported and held together by loose leaf things, it's why sometimes we feel like life is falling apart. You need this. It is a requirement. Okay. I have kind of a gross example, but it's going to get really funny as we go, I think. At least I laughed. So I want you to imagine for a second. I'll make this personal. That way you're not thinking about your kids. Imagine that my five-year-old Jack, I brought him into the room, and he stole something or something like that, and I put his hand out on the chopping block and went, bop, <laughs> cut his hand right off, put it in a box, and be like, go to your room. Okay, there's the gross part. Okay? Now, Imagine, if you will, number one, not calling CPS on me, but number two, because I've thought about it before, uh, number two, imagine that in 10 years, my son Jack goes back, he's now, what, 15 years old, and we open up the box where his hand is and we pull it out. Well, Jack will have grown. Jack's going to be bigger, but the hand is going to be the same size, right? Even more than that, and here's a little bit more of the gross part, it's going to look kind of gross, it's going to be shriveled up, all tiny. It's going to be like infected looking and, and, and shriveled up. Why? Because it is disconnected. Can I put it this way? There is no vital connection to the body. And so therefore, you can go off and be a free agent Christian. And yes, the Lord will resurrect the whole body. But let me tell you, you will live a lot of hell on earth trying to do it on your own. The old 80s song, as fun as it is to listen to, is wrong. Here I go again on my own. I'll spare you and not sing it to you. But, but the idea is, you can hear it, right? But the idea is, you need this vital connection. And some of our lives, you're like, man, my life is gross. It's falling apart. I'm dealing. Are you connected? Are you, are you being held together by these connection points? It's so serious. And so I pray, my prayer in, in this message and in Made for More is that you would see that God has purposed you to be connected connected to him, connected to a church, connected to a group, and connected to a team. Now, I want to give you, in the moments that we have left, four things very quickly that I think are going to be incentives for you. There's a lot I could have said, and Pastor Joe can go on for ages, but I, I just want to give you four things that I think are reason enough for you to take a step, at least a step, into being connected in godly relationship. Number one, write it down. If you become engaged in godly relationship, it's going to help you to focus on God. There's a rhythm that you need. I am not the only pastor who has said this. I kind of hate the fact that the church in America just canceled Wednesday night services. I liked it. We had Wednesday and we had Sunday. You know, I, I went to church where we went on Sunday night, packed a lunch sometimes. I'm kind of glad we don't have that service, but, but, but beyond that, but the Wednesday, I like that rhythm. I like that rhythm. And, and you need that with groups going to small group, I'm going to church, and, and you need that rhythm in your life, and it's going to help you to focus. You, you need some standards. It's, it's like listening to music, and it's, it's sticking to the rhythm. You need that guardrail in your life to focus on, on God. Number two, when you are engaged in godly church relationships, it's going to help you to face life's problems. We say, well, Pastor, I'm not going through a problem right now. You're going to be going through a problem. It comes on everybody. It is an equal opportunity thing. Humanity faces problems in this world. And what are you going to need? You're going to need encouragement. You're going to need somebody being like, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to pray. Let's agree with God. And, 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 and you need somebody who's going to help you to not give up. I mean, the best of us, the best of us in the room, the, the most mature Christian, you still need somebody to prop you up on your leaning side. When you're leaning a little bit, that's kind of a farm reference for those of you that don't know anything about agriculture. I'm talking to Fruit Ridge right now, okay? 
When your barn's lean a little bit, you get some of those lean-tos out. Some of y'all smiling at me right now. You need somebody to prop you up on your leaning side. Don't give up. Don't, God's going to see you through this thing. He's faithful before. He'll be faithful again. We're going to get through this together. Let's see the goodness of God. And, and so you need somebody. And to that, let me say this. When we say get into small groups, I'm not asking you to just attend another thing. For you to go to groups, I want you to learn somebody else's name, get their number, like start texting, go out for coffee, like live life. Hey, Western Michigan, tough, isn't it? Again, we, we kind of have this family thing going on. Nothing wrong with family. In fact, invite your family. But you need relationship in your life to be able to say like, hey, I know that you got like this big interview going on. I'm praying for you right now. While you're in it, you just know for the next hour, I'm going to be praying for you while I'm doing what I got to do. There's nothing like that in the world. It's a huge deal. Number three, I got to move on. It will help you to fortify your faith. So engage church relationships. It's going to fortify the faith that you have. What are you talking about? You need prayer. Do you know every single person who attends our small groups, those people are prayed for by name every single day by their small group leader. Hey, New Chapel, I need you to be prayed for by name every single day. You need it in this world that is crumbling in front of us. You need somebody calling out your name when you're at work. And the only way I can do that is if you plug into the system. Somebody's calling out your name. Our group leaders care about that. You need prayer. You need somebody to be honest. Like you get into a relationship and they start to know you and, and you go through enough little you know, fake trials and real trials together that you'll you be like, oh, well, I'm going through this. Well, it's because you need to have some boundaries in your life. Oh, yeah, that happens in groups too. You need to say no to more things and stop saying yes to everybody. Do you have an approval addiction? Oh, that needs to happen. We need somebody to call us out. Otherwise, we get drunk on vision, we get drunk on this world, and we start just living our life in our own rhythm, doing our own thing. You say yes to everything, or you start doing things you shouldn't be doing. You lose pace with God. You need somebody to call you on the carpet and be honest. Now, listen, that happens relationally. There's no, way, there's no system I can give. for like, yeah, go into a small group. A small group leader, he'll call you out on all your garbage. It's not going to happen. You can be just as anonymous as you are today in groups. And there's people that do that. God has more for them. At least they're there. Maybe if the proverbial feces hits the oscillator, they might call up somebody. But do you have anybody you can call up? Are you in godly relationship? And then finally, number four, and I think this is very apropos for the season that we're in at New Chapel, and that is this. It's going to help you to fulfill the call on your life. You are made for more. And again, your call is so great, you cannot do it alone. You need that team to help you find your place and to help you make a difference. Growth does not just happen from information. In fact, I'm just going to, man, no pastor does this. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Life change does not happen typically on a Sunday. The epitus for life change can happen on a Sunday. But you know when real life change happens? It's worked out during the week. It's worked out in relationship. When you can talk to somebody, like, what did he mean when he said that? What's going on with this? I'm dealing, and might be, you, you deal with the narrative. Like, I'm dealing with this. I want to talk about it. And your, your group leader or a friend can, can, can chime in on whatever you're going through. But, but listen, it's not just information that's going to change your life. And you need transformation, and it happens, and it's worked out, and it's played out relationally in relationship with other people. Romans 1, what does it say? I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. So you don't have to put on airs. You don't have to be somebody who you're not, right? Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That's the idea. That's the growth that we're talking about. There is this piece, this component, that it's not another study. Zondervan can't solve this. And, and if you have the best Bible reading plan in the world, praise the Lord. You've got to put it into practice and work it out relationally. Wow. The family of God, the church, groups, and a team. Now, before we dismiss, I'm going to be honest and maybe even brutally honest for me. I get Sunday. Like, I love it. I love this 
relationship. I, I get it. I, I love coming in. We got music. We're slapping high fives. I love saying hey to you when you come in or you go out. I'm like, hey, what's going on? We've got a little bit of conversation going on. But I'll be real honest with you. If there's one area that I have had to deal with over the years that I'm not terribly comfortable with, when we get one-on-one, sometimes I can be awkward. I feel like I need to keep the pace going, keep the conversation going, and I don't know what to say you know, <laughs> and, and, and that can be weird. Uh, it wasn't so long ago, I think two weeks ago, I called up Blaine, and I just felt like I needed to check in on my buddy Blaine. I'm talking to Blaine. How's this going? How's that going? Well, great. And I had no idea what to say next, and I was awkward. How's work? Ugh, I already asked about that. Ugh, I'm an idiot, you know. Good. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm struggling through, but feel like I'm supposed to be in relationship with one of my brothers in Christ, and I got to stay on the phone. And it was, frankly, a very awkward conversation altogether. And I hung in there as long as I could. All right, well, family's getting home. Praise the Lord. Talk to you later. Bye. <gasps> Woo! I'm so glad I'm off the phone with Blaine. <laughs> and I love Blaine. And I'm willing to submit myself to a little bit of awkward. And I am. <laughs> Because I need relationship in my life. And one of the things that was a tipping point was this. When we started this church, I I was all about just Sunday, 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 right? And jury was out. Some of the people that attended our church, I just, I I had a hard time connecting with all together. And I was somewhat of a recluse. I'm somewhat of a recluse now, but I have relationships in my reclusivity. Anyway, this church was... Sunday morning. But as we went through years, Kaya lost her mom to cancer. And I lost my dad. We lost two nephews and several more family. And here's what we found is that uh, you became our family. This past Thanksgiving, we had Ed and Sheila, if you don't know them you will soon. Um, <laughs> we had Ed and Sheila come over for Thanksgiving. And I'm old school. I make everybody go around that table and say what they're thankful for. And, and it finally got to Sheila. And uh, Sheila's a very astute woman of God. And she might even be embarrassed that I would say this, but tears were well enough. And she's just like, I'm so thankful that this is a relational church and that you've welcomed us in and, and, uh, and that you don't look over us because we're old. And I said, you're not old, girl. You know? and, she, she's, and, and she's talking about all these things. I'm welling up with tears because I love them so much. And they've been there for us in, in some very hard moments. And they've stood up for us, and cheered us on. And, 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 and so I'm, I'm listening to her and I'm crying. And then I feel like I got to respond. And I'm like, I just want to say this. And, and this is what I said. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was looking for Jesus, and, and she sent one of the disciples to go find him, and, and they went, hey, Jesus, your mom's looking for you, and, and he said, who is my mother, and who is my father, my brothers or sisters? It's them that do the will of my father. And so we lost a lot of family, and you became my family, and as hard and as awkward as it was at times for me, I sink into that. I feel your support and your love, and it means the world to me. You need that in your life, friend. God has that for you. And the outside world looks at us when we do church well. By that, I mean relationally. When we build even a big church well, by that, I mean relationally. They look at us, and they're puzzled. Why do you care so much for each other? It puzzles them. But here's what it does. Ultimately, it points toward Jesus He said it this way, and then I'm going to pray. In John 13, he says, Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are made for more, that we have purpose in you. And one of our purposes is to be in real relationship with one another. God, I pray for my church. Some of them are like me. They get awkward on the one-on-one, or maybe they've got their own group, and it feels fairly vulnerable to go outside of themselves and ask somebody their name. God, I pray for a holy boldness to be vulnerable, to do it afraid, and to follow their pastor and maybe even do it awkward because it's right. 
because it's going to unlock things in them. God, I thank you that you'd give them a vision for their life of what it could be like where they could actually have relationships they could rely on. God, I pray that my church would fulfill this great purpose, that we would have true fellowship, koinonia, presence with each other and with you. God, as I preach about this, I know that there's people in the sound of my voice that as I preach, they're hearing about a loving God, but they need that relationship to be cemented with you first, the first level of relationship. God, I pray that you'd help me to find them in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute. Is that you? I mean, really, like, like as we talk about this, you'd say, I don't know if my life's right with God. I don't know if I'm right with him, whatever that even means. Friend, you don't have to broker a relationship with God. God already brokered a relationship with you, and he did it through his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to this world to live a perfect life. And when humanity had perfection, we crucified him. He died. God died. Now, on the other end of all of that, God the Father raised him from the dead. And when Jesus' grave was emptied, he emptied the grave of all those people who would call him Lord. That means that if you want a relationship with God, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It means that you'll have heaven when you pass away. You'll avoid hell. But listen, even more than that, making him Lord is putting him in control of your daily life. It means that eternal life doesn't start just when you die. It starts the moment you accept him. The peace the joy, the relationship you're looking for, friend, it's on the other end of you stopping, acting like you can be the God over your own life. It's making Jesus Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, church, I want you to pray this with them. Do it as a declaration of your personal faith and do it in support of all those people who are coming back home. Pray this out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go... You're made for more. I'll see you next week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.